Today is Monday, February 25th, 2008, and this is Radio Wave. everyone and welcome to Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje. The topic of discussion will be on Our Lady of Medjugorje's February 25th, 2008 message for the world. For those who are new to Radio Wave, Maria is one of the six visionaries of Medjugorje. Every 25th of the month she receives a message from Our Lady for the whole world. And so tonight's program will be about this message as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, the friend of Medjugorje. It's always a joy for us to come into your homes and to be with you, especially when we get to hear this music starting off this radio program because it relates to us, just like the smell of food when you have a favorite meal, that this, when it comes on, is a message day or just the day after the message day. So we always have the freshness of Our Lady's words with us. So let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Mary, it's with joy we come to you to offer everything to the Heavenly Father. We know that there's much work you want to do and much you want to accomplish. And we lay our souls open and our hearts open that you might do so. Amen. Well, of course, tonight we will be going over the 25th message of February 2008. We always like to think what we were doing at that moment when certain messages came up. And tonight's unlike, not like, unlike any other day in that regard. So, Joan, I guess I'll let you start off just reading this message so we can start right into it since we're on, on for only an hour tonight. Our Lady Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's 25th, February 25th, 2008 message to the world. Dear children, in this time of grace, I call you anew to prayer and renunciation. May your day be interwoven with little ardent prayers for all those who have not come to know God's love. Thank you for having responded to my call. It's interesting that Our Lady gives us little ardent prayers with a little bitty message. Uh, it's short, as if she's parallel in what she's wanting to emphasize as far as ardent. And of course, that, to me, that's the word that stands out in it, because the first time Our Lady ever gave that uh, word ardent, is, this is the only second time in other words this message has been, or rather this word has been used. And the first time is, was July 25th, 2005. And it's special to us because Maria was with us here. And the 25th message to the world was given in the bedroom at that moment. And in this message, uh, she also used ardent, talking about being short. And actually duplicates something else in the message of today that she did back then. But in that message, July 2005, her lady said, Dear children, also today, I call you to fill your day with short, ardent prayers. 
When you pray, your heart is open and God loves you with a special love and gives you special graces. Therefore, make good use of this time of grace and devote it to God more than ever up to now. Do novenas and fasting and renunciation so that Satan be far from you and grace be around you. I am near you and intercede before God for each of you. Of course, a few days later, we celebrated our lady's 2021st birthday. Was it 20? First birthday in the field with the nativity of Our Lady. It was beautiful, and if you haven't listened before to remember when it rained, you can you can go on uh, and, and download that, right, Riaz? You can go back and listen to it. Yeah, and uh, it's worth listening to, but that was an extraordinary event on 2005. But the, behind the scenes was, of course, Maria received this in the house, in the bedroom, and when we heard Our Lady said, do novenas of fasting and renunciation, we immediately instituted that July 25th, the next day, July 22nd, or 26th, that we would do three Hail Marys uh, on the hour for nine hours. And that carried over into August 1st when thousands of people came from across the country to join us in preparation for our lady's birthday, August 5th. And so through that, living that message, hearing her words, instituting that directly into our life because she said to do that and us acting on it, Something happened that we didn't expect. And what took place was we had everybody that came here, we asked them to join us, because we had been doing this since the 25th when our lady asked us, that no matter where on the grounds, when you heard the bells ring on the hour, we were doing nine-day, uh, we were doing nine, nine day, or rather nine-hour novenas for our lady each day, and that this was for her intentions, and any intention you might have. And it was beautiful with thousands of people here, no matter whether they're up here across the street, they're out in the field, there are at other places on the grounds, crossing near the road. Everybody went on their knees and did these three Marys. And it was just beautiful being able to see people spra- sprawled out across the large area doing these novenas. And so on Our Lady's birthday, she gave a message, and part of that message said she wanted to thank us for the novenas, which was very heartwarming that she was so active in our life watching us that everybody on those grounds were thanked. And this is really a momentous thing to have one word from a lady is great. To have two words is great. To have a message like this and responding to her in our life and then her responding back to us. Nobody's lived in an era like this in history outside of since the death of the last apostle. So it kind of struck home to us. And those of you are listening to this tonight and will be streaming it later can remember and recall that beautiful moment when we heard our lady thanking us for this novena. But what's also interesting is with this message is that Our Lady says, uh, starts off, Dear children, in this time of grace. Why does Our Lady keep saying this? Now you might think, okay, Our Lady said this 10 times, maybe maybe 15 times at the most. We looked up and saw how many times Our Lady said this. We was really taken aback a little bit by it. But Our Lady over the years have said, actually, this is a time of grace 39 different times, 39 different messages. Why is she saying that? What does that mean? What's the opposite of saying that? This is a time of grace. When this time runs out, what does that mean on the other side of the coin? It won't be a time of grace? Why is that? What's going to happen? What's that about? And that's the questions we should ask when we read these messages. Often we saw, actually the first time we saw Our Lady say nine, and the only time we saw Our Lady say peace in one message uh, was nine times, and this was just before 
we thought when we heard that, oh, peace, Allah wants us to have peace. You know, nine times in one message, the word peace. And uh, it wasn't but a few days later, Saddam Hussein, for the first time, marched into Kuwait. And thereupon started a, a weekly thing and on the mountain with Ivan, where Allah kept saying, pray for peace. So often we need to look at these messages and see what is the other side of the coin to peace. See what's the other side of the coin to in this time of grace. So the fact that we've got 39 messages that we we're able to track real quickly today to say this, that's worth considering these and going over these, these messages. On May 25th, 2001, our lady said, Dear children, at this time of grace, and I'm skipping some through the message, giving you some of the points I'm trying to make, uh, seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to lead you at this time so that you may comprehend and live the grace of this time. So we know this time is a grace. But we have our lady phrasing it in a way that you can live in the grace of this time. The other side of the coin is what happens when this time runs out. Our lady goes on after that and says, Convert little children and kneel in the silence of your hearts. Put God in the center of your being. On February 25th, 2000, our lady says, Wake up from the sleep. That's what, look what happened while you're sleeping, it's talking about. But our lady says, Wake up from the sleep of unbelief and sin because this is a time of grace which God gives you. Use this time and seek the grace. At the healing of your heart from God. Why is why does lady keep saying this? Why is this the time of grace? Why is it a gift that God gives it to us? And August 25th, 1997 is a real first hint of something after this time of grace. Our lady said, and I can tell you this, I can tell you distinctly where I was when this message was given. Uh, we were in 1997 out some hay fields that we had by here, and they'd asked me to come out there. Some of the boys did, so I went out there, and they brought the message to me. And I remember standing underneath the shade trees, and all of us gathering around and reading this message, and we we were struck by it. And this is 11 years ago. It's 2008 right now. August 25th, 1997. God gives me this time as a gift to you. so that I may instruct you and lead you on the path of salvation. Dear children, now you do not comprehend this grace. But soon a time will come when you will lament for these messages. That is why, little children, live all the words which I have given to you through this time of grace and renew, and renew prayer until prayer becomes joy for you. We can get lost on this and say, oh, prayer becomes a joy for you. Or this is a nice time of grace. How sweet. But a lady speaks in the context of you don't comprehend this time of grace and you don't understand that this is a, what and what is she saying you don't understand or comprehend. She says what she said before that. God gives me this time of, as a gift to you. And then she adds, but soon a time will come. When will a time come? After the time of grace, what will you do? You will lament for these messages. Does it seem to you, or should you ask yourself, as a lady asking us to fortify ourselves? Is she strengthening us? Does she want to make us stronger? I noticed in reviewing all these messages that said this is a time of grace, that constantly our lady was saying, pray for grace. Pray for, 
increase your prayer life. In other words, become strong. What do you become strong for? For a race, for a sports event, for what astronauts do going to the moon. That'd be in top physical fitness. Our Lady wants us in top shape, soul-wise, for the time that comes. And this is the time of grace. Well, for those not doing it, what, what sort of time will it be? How will they go through this period? What is that period going to be like? We don't know. But we wouldn't be getting 39 messages saying, you're in a special time. This is the time of grace, unless another time was coming. And here we have the first hint, August 25th, 1997, clearly, that the word lament is used. Now, that's in relation to the messages, not Our Lady not being with us. What will happen when Our Lady's no longer with us? Will Satan be let loose? Will we be ravaged? Will only those who have accepted this during this time be able to maybe minister to the others to strengthen them in the next period? There's a lot of questions we should be asking ourselves. And we should also realize, too, that this was in 97, and even in 2000, even in 2003, 2004, right now in 2008, the, the decadence just in 36 months is, is falling more in those last 36 months than we have since 1981 up to three years ago. It's just unbelievable. The more we research, the more we're finding out. It's hard to understand how fast and rapidly the culture is deteriorating. At the same time, we see it not so much the individual sinners, but the system. The system of darkness has taken over our, our former and our, our, our way of governing everything. The, legis the legislation of, of unnatural laws. Someone wrote to us yesterday, uh, I think it was today, uh, a message fax, and somebody gave it to me and it said, you know, we're supposed to be obedient to authority. You know, how can you say some of the things you're saying not to be obedient? You know, well, Pope just said last year about Spain not to obey the authority, not to obey the law. That those laws that are calling for illicit adoption and, and uh, degraded family units, you don't want to give those kids up for adoption. You don't do that. And he actually said, not only do you not obey it, you have an obligation to defy it. So we have to understand what does it mean, because all authority is from God, but not un, not that that which breaks not un, uh, natural law. If it goes against natural law, there's no authority there, and you you have authority over that. It does not have authority over you, and so you you are commanded to be violating it. There's things happening right now in school textbooks and our and our nation that you need to do research. It's already instituted in places in Massachusetts. There's a lot of good people in Massachusetts. But you are to defy these things. And the bigger issues that are taking place with these things than what it was that our country founded on the issues that it objected to, this nation. To make that more clear, our forefathers and what they rebelled against and those issues do not match up in any near, near, anywhere near the weight on a scale of what our issues are today. And we're just sitting there going to, to the courts who, whose judges are, are fortifying unnatural law, who are for it. They've packed the system. Christians need to start thinking different. We have holy obligations to think different. 
We have a mandate to think different. And, and we need to think different about what we're going to do to change society instead of just the, it's just the ballot box. We, yes, we have to cry out to God. Yes, we have to pray. But we need to realize that when laws instituting and forcing unnatural laws upon us, we are not, or rather we are obligated not to obey that. I know you've heard me say this before, but some people still don't get it. And I don't get you. For the individual who wrote says, we've got to obey authority. You, you can't say that. You can't say you've got to obey authority, which is promoting unnatural law and forcing it in the workplace, forcing it in the schools. Before God, you don't have to, and the church, you don't have to, in regards to what the church teaches and in regards to natural law wrote on the heart of man. So we're in this time of grace that perhaps in the future we're going to be really confronting this. The clash that's going to come. How will that be? How will it manifest? I don't know. But we have Our Lady's words that keep warning us. November 7th, 1988. This is a time of grace. That is why I would like you to pray as much as you can during this time. Again, Our Lady has encouraged us in this time of prayer to, to or in time of grace, to pray. Why? To strengthen. And, of course, July 25th, 2005, I've already read. It's again... Uh, with ardent prayers mentioned a second time, I call you to fill your day with short, ardent prayers. What does ardent mean? When I first, actually before I even came involved in Medjugorje, I, I said for several years, I prayer constantly, every day, all day long, in my sleep, in my wake, in my work. And sometimes I was so caught up in this prayer, I wasn't even into the actual physical work I was doing. It's like I wasn't even there. You can enter into this state of prayer in a way that will feed you so much that you can be in so union with God that while you might be performing in the world, you, you'll be more closer to God than you are actually into the physical work you might be doing. But one prayer I read years ago, and I started in this prayer that I instituted in my life was, O oh, my beloved, who art my God, make my heart a flame of pure love for thee. O oh, my beloved, who art my God, make my heart a flame of pure love for thee. A hundred times, a thousand times a day, I would say this. And there are certain moments I remember that walking with God so closely through saying this over and over and over that I felt his presence in a, in a constant way. And it led me to what I'm doing now in the Medjugorje. So the first time our lady said this in our bedroom uh, really struck a chord with me when she said, I call you for short, ardent prayers. I identify with that. I know what's in there. Sometimes it's easier to enter into that and be disrupted and re-enter into that in the workplace or during the day or driving down the road than it would be long-term prayer. And so it matches to what St. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Our Lady, of course, gave a message also that parallels that. She says, pray without ceasing. Actually, it was related to if you understood the gift of my coming, you would pray unceasingly. And so we have Our Lady, January 25th, 1993. I am guide, rather I am with you, and I guide you into a new time, a time which God gives you as grace. March 25th, 2000. Pray and make good use of this time because it is a time of grace. Okay, Mary, we're getting it. We're getting it. But what does that mean? Why she has to repeat this to us? Because she said earlier, I've already read it, you don't comprehend this now. But soon you will. 
and then you'll lament. April 25th, 2007. Dear children, rather this is a special, or rather this is a time of grace. I am with you and make good use of it. Say, that's her saying that, say, this is a time for my soul. Sounds like she's wanting to fortify us. What would you think she's saying by those words? October 25th, 2006. Today, the Lord permitted me to tell you again that you live in a time of grace. So she's saying God, again, is permitting her to say this. Why? Because it's a grace that she can say these words. Our lady said that she wants us to live all the words that God conveys her, that God, rather, God conveys to her to tell us. So Our Lady's just not coming up dreaming up these messages. She's before the throne of God and being told what to do. Or either if she does, she's permitted to tell us again. And in this one today, the Lord permitted me to tell you again that you live in a time of grace. You are not conscious, little children, that God has given you a great opportunity to convert and to live in peace and love. You are so blind and attached to earthly things and think of earthly life. Pretty strong words. Very strong words. You are blind? Blind to what? To the time of grace. Why? Because you're attached to so many things. We have more distraction now in the Medjugorje movement of people being so preoccupied that people don't even... I met somebody today at Mass. I hadn't seen in years. And they said, was it still going on? And they were very big in the Medjugorje movement. I said, yes, it's going on. And uh, they said, well, you know, that was some beautiful days when I went there and was involved with it. I said, well, you know, is there. Are they speaking? And not only is she speaking, now she's increased her messages, which increases ur- she's increased the urgent call to us that she's speaking on the second of the month of Mariana. So our lady tells you and me, just 2006, October, you're so blind. Why? Because you're not conscious, little children. God is giving you a great opportunity and how many people are taking the opportunity? Partially, they may be, but fully are they? June 1st, 1990. Dear children, this is a time of grace. Open yourselves to the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to make you strong. There she reveals it. This time of grace, the Holy Spirit needs to make you strong. For what? For after the time of grace. What comes? We'll see. May 1st, 1989. Pray as much as you can during this time. This is a time of grace. Abandon yourselves to the Spirit for Him to renew you. August 25th, 2005. God gave you a gift of this time as a time of grace. Therefore, Lord children, make good use of every moment and pray, pray, pray. July 25th, 2001. In this time of grace... I call you to come even closer to God through personal prayer. Make good use of the time of rest. Uh-oh, here's some more illumination. A time of grace is what? What is a time of grace? A peace? A time of rest? I already said that. Make good use of the time of rest and give your soul and your eyes rest in God. Pretty incredible message. Everybody should get that message and read it. July 25th, 2001. Because it parallels, look what happened while you're sleeping. And our lady goes on and says to find your peace in nature. And, of course, sustainable development, which is another topic we won't get into tonight. 
carries you just the opposite way. But it's a good message about that to counter that. And it goes on and on and on. I could keep reading that. We'll spend the whole show just on this. But you can look them up in Words from Heaven, those of you who have that, um, that book. But for us here in community, we um, are in the middle of a 54-day novena. In the middle of this, we always do our structured prayer times on top of that. We're going to end this novena, which we're coming to the last nine days of it, beginning when? Saturday, this coming Saturday? I'm not sure. I think it's Saturday. Those last nine days, we'll begin a bread and water fast for nine days. And it's um, the, one of the intentions in this novena for us is uh, for conversion, of course, when Maria comes July, for protection over, over these events and for our nation's healing, but also for our internal purification and correction of our conscience in all ways that are not our lazy ways. We constantly uh, go back to this. We don't assume because we live in community or we find all these messages and we have a, the, the beautiful life of living in a place that's structured around them that we're going to stay on the right frequency with God. So we do usually several night-day fasts, and we just got through with one just a few months ago, a couple, three months ago maybe, with the people in the league in November, I think it was October. And this for us is, is to help us to, to keep in union with God. We don't trust that three hours and four hours of prayer is enough. We even add these extra things and our short, ardent prayer. Uh, my daughter and I was riding down the highway near here today, and, and we saw police out. We saw scuba divers in a lake. We saw a boat out there, and they're dredging it. Somebody had drowned. And immediately we, we said, we hadn't heard the 25th message at that point, and we said a short, ardent prayer. And this struck my daughter strongly. And uh, somebody with the red light standing there, they said it was a girl. So uh, this is something that when you see that, you, every time we hear ambulance, we say a short, ardent prayer. So it's not just necessarily you have to pray a repeated prayer all the time. But sometimes you can enter into prayer and you know God so quickly with this that that um, you feel you can feel closer to God doing that than you can say a whole rosary. But also by doing this, you're able to enter deeper into a rosary when you are saying your rosaries. So we have Our Lady saying specifically in this message those two things that really are striking and that this is a time of grace. I call you anew to pray, prayer and renunciation. May your day be interwoven with little ardent prayers for all those who have not come to know the love of God, or God's love. I think you have responded to my call. And of course, we have all family members. Uh, many people write to us, call us, beg us for the families who left the church. And we usually see this on a second of the month message. And here we have it in Maria's message on the 25th about those who don't know the love of God. Uh, I don't recall seeing that in that way. That would be more toward Mariana's charism and what she's usually called that our lady now says on the 25th. But we don't need to give up on those who we pray for to come to know God's love. But we also have the reality and need to know that we were, what of God's love don't we have in our own self? What do we need to change? And only when you pierce these messages and contemplate them, go into them in a deep way, in an ardent way, do you see that we are privileged to know about what's taking place in the messages in the sense that we are coming into another time. This time will run out. And what are we being strengthened for? What are we, 
what are we racing for and what are we doing in regards to making ourselves stronger for the future and will we go through that where we need that strength. How does God deal with nations which have no spirit? One of the founding fathers of the United States, George Mason, said, As nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this. By an inevitable chain of causes and effects, providence punishes national sins by national calamities. When we look at the events around us, are we perhaps blind to see what is so plainly before us? The continual stripping away of religious freedoms and the barrage of laws, regulations and more laws, the oppressive structure to promote sin through new laws and on and on. The scriptures so clearly show that when God's people turned away from Him, it resulted in the loss of freedom and liberty. For years, Our Lady from Medjugorje has told us, invited us, and encouraged us toward reconciling as a people, as well as individually, back to God. We need a mother for our nation. We need her to purify us. We need her to cure us. We need her to resurrect us. We need her to be amongst us. We, the people, need her. This July 1st through 5th, 2008, that mother will be with us. This July 4th will be special for our nation. Come to the field at Caritas, Alabama, July 1st through 5th, 2008, when Maria Lunetti, visionary from Medjugorje, will be with us for all five days. Join with thousands across the nation in praying for the resurrection and renewal of ourselves and our country. July 1st through 5th, 2008, a 4th of July in Alabama that will change your life and this nation. Go to medj.com for more details. Medj spelled M-E-J dot com. Or call Caritas at 205-672-2000-USA. Listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. This is uh, certainly a, a very interesting topic tonight about short ardent prayers, and it's amazing to think that uh, a mission such as this, Caritas, this international mission that is reaching all over the world, thousands and thousands and thousands of people all over the whole world who look to these writings, that this was birthed through short ardent prayers. And uh, this is uh, certainly a a very beautiful thought to think that Our Lady's leading in the, is thus in this direction. Um, one thing that we'd like to mention is that we've gotten many, many requests that people have wanted Radio Wave to be a, an everyday broadcast. And something that we're working on the, the ability to do would be to do 30-minute broadcast every single day. And, of course, uh, that is something that we uh, would love to be able to feed people that uh, but we can't do that without 
funding. We have to have that funding. We have to have the financial resources to be able to do that. And so the scripture says, and this was written many, in many of our newsletters, that almsgiving is one of the greatest uh, atonements for sin. And this is actually a prayer that you can offer up to think that uh, a $20, $50, $100 donation can be a short, ardent prayer. So That's why we like sinners to listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, so the, uh, the ability to do this depends upon the resources, the financial resources to be able to do this. And so we encourage you to call us. You can call Caritas and, and offer a donation for Radio Way from Medja.com. Uh, the phone number is 205-672-2000, and you can leave your donations at extension 315, or you can go to Medja.com and just click on Donate. And that's probably the easiest, simplest way of, of leaving your donation. But we have to have this in order for us to be able to move forward with the everyday, the everyday broadcast of Radio Wave. So we thought we'd mention that at this point in the program. We had a, a question that came in recently from Abigail in Manila, the Philippines. And she asked this question. I would like to ask how I can reach the state of holiness through the help of our Blessed Virgin Mary. I really believe in her powerful intercession. I'm also very concerned with the sanctification of myself, my family, and the whole world. But I also believe that I'm lacking in terms of living the Christian way. Please pray for me to Our Lady, so I will reach the state of holiness. Thank you, and may God bless us all. Well, I remember back in 1988 or 89 when Maria was here, and, and I said, <clears throat> I feel like Our Lady's not satisfied with me. And she says, you, what about me? And I, I was struck by that. And so don't think you'll ever be satisfied where you are. Uh, it's like a priest told me one time, 10 years ago, you're a fool. Ten, 10 years from now, you'll think about it on today that you're a fool. So we're always growing, and when we grow, and grow, we always are seeing that, you know, you're not holy. And in fact, the saints, more they grew, the more they saw they were they were not holy. Not that they didn't feel in communion with God. But St. Francis was asked one time, um, who was the holiest man in the world? They were expecting him to, you know, say himself. And he saw one of his friars going by. He says, brother somebody, whoever it was. And uh, they asked about him. He says, no, I'm the greatest sinner in the world. How can that be? It seems such like a, a contradiction. But for those who go closer to God, realize the lowliness of who they are through humility and also um, how their little sins are so greatly offensive to God compared to somebody that don't know anybody who's committing great sins or even murder. Many of these people live uh, what Jesus said at the, at the foot of the cross. Forgive them for they don't know what to do. But what of those who do know what they're doing? And that's us. That's our lady's children. So we... we uh, I often tell people here, we we are far more in, in our, as far as sinners than, than people out there because we know better. There's things we sh we when we fall or, or we shouldn't um, or should be rather should be walking a certain way and we fail that, we don't respond to the grace. And, and it may not be nothing major to some people. They may say, that's no big deal. But it is for us. And why? Because... You know, we are our lady's apostles. We're in a leadership role. 
You're saying, well, what about you? Well, you are too. Our Lady says, be my apostles of love. Be my apostles of faith. Be my apostles of goodness. You out there who claim to be Our Lady's children, she's calling you into apostleship. If you accept that, you get it. It's that simple. But that also puts you in a position of leadership. And leadership and leaders are held to a higher accountability than those who aren't. So while somebody on the street or somebody who may be even wicked, far, maybe far less in, in, in their judgments against what they might do, what God may handle out in them, much more something severe to us. Because remember Jesus, Peter was just simply out of a, a, a misguided concern telling Jesus don't go to Jerusalem. The first pope. And what does Jesus do? I mean, he turns on very, very strongly and says, you're a demon. Get behind me, you Satan. And that might seem no big deal, something minor. And then he is sitting there telling the woman about to be a, who was guilty of adultery, who's about to be stoned. He's just, you know, walking on eggshells of her, soft to her heart. Why? Well, we should do that because people that are in steep sin, deep sin, sometimes need not... Not condemnation, not being placed in a position where they, they can't get out, but they need encouragement. They need to be lifted up. They need to be helped. I know we talk a lot about the laws and stuff that's going on that people are, uh, are, are, that, that are promoting very sinful things. The, the individual himself, though, need to be lifted out of that sin. We, want them, we don't want the devil to win with them. But there's two different things going on there. There's one, the law, there's, that, that's promoting the vileness of the sin, and the other who's trapped into it. The one who's trapped into it needs to be pulled out of it. And we do need compassion on the individual self, not the sin. Christians today are, are making the sin and having compassion toward it. We're to hate the sin. You want to call it hate crime, hate talk? I hate the talk. I hate it. I hate what they're doing or different people are doing. And I don't, no law is going to stop me from hating that or even speaking against it. You know, we're bound to do that, just like uh, Peter and John, was it Peter and John's that was carried into the temple and 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 they were uh, brought before the Sanhedrin and they lashed them and then let them go and they told them not to speak Jesus' words anymore. They went right out there and started doing it again. Speak the words. Pull the sinner out of his sin and hate the sin. You know, segregate those two things and, and defy it. And so... Going back to the question from the lady from the Philippines, how do, how do you attain this holiness? Well, Sister Lucy and Fatimus gave a real insight in that in the 50s when she released something that was actually part of the third secret, but it wasn't released, of course, until 2000 of June, um, 20, I think 24th of June. On 2001, the, the third secret of family was released. But in the 50s, our lady, uh, Sister Lucy said that um, we need to be the penance. God requires penance. Of course, that's what the third secret started off. Penance, 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 the angel said. And in the 1950s, she wrote that God requires of us penance. And the penance that she requ he requires of us today, what our lady said and told her, was doing your state in life, the performance of your state in life. So if you're a wife or if you're a husband, you're to do your state that you're in in perfection. That brings holiness. 
And today we have everybody that's, that many people, even often women, are in a state of marriage and they want to do something else, especially they may want to get religious or they may want to be getting a career. And so they neglect their state in life, being a mother and a wife. Likewise, a man the same way. He's a spiritual little house. He's, going, he's, he's given that up. You know, he's overindulged in sports. He's overindulged in this or that, or playing golf, whatever it may be. That The point is, is his first calling is fatherhood. His first calling is spiritual director of the family. His first role to fulfill is to bring his children and wife to know and love God the Father more. And so the neglect of that tends to subvert holiness. And so if you really want to attain holiness, if you're a priest, then you, be, you become the best priest you are. What are the functions of the priest? Well, I don't have to say what they are. You join the priesthood to, to do that. Your performance of your duty is what attains holiness. So you can't say often when you say, well, I'm not supposed to be married no more. And we have people calling us. Why? Because nothing's going good for them. Their marriage is sour. Well, suppose God wanted them to live a sanctimonious life to sanctify their husband, who may be a wretch. And God put her, whether through his will or his permissive will, allowed it in a state that she may be his only ticket that he can make it to heaven by. Otherwise, he's going to hell. You know, Jesus didn't save a lot of people at the, at, 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 right at the moment of his death. He couldn't save the bad thief. He saved the good thief. So even Jesus wasn't successful. So that should make us all feel good. <laughs> you know, if he can't do it, you think you're going to do it? So that was Jesus preferred to take both of them. He only got one. So he only batted 50% right there. So we got to realize, too, that you, you may be in a long, lifelong relationship and don't think, well, God's not calling me to this. That's baloney. You took a vow. You took a, a commitment. And are you living up to that? And you may be thinking, I'm holy, I'm going to holy hour, and he's such a wretch, or she's this bad person. And yet, you're not even doing what you're supposed to be doing. I remember having a call from a mother uh, of a daughter one day, and she was just going on and on about this bad son-in-law and how bad and wicked he was and all this stuff. And it wasn't telling me nothing wicked. It was just like, he didn't go to church, he didn't do this, and he needed to change this, and just just a whole diatribe of, of a list of laundry list she was going through and my daughter prays and she does this and all that and then he you know he's he's not nice to you or he's abusive i say he's a hit or no he's just verbally abusive and he says so she, so she tells me all this and she says so what she should do i said she should love him more she should treat him kinder and she should treat him better and she said what I said, well, you just told me she was she was going to Mass. She was holier than he was, and she was doing all the praying. Jesus did it for me. Look at me. Look what I've done against Jesus. What have you done against Jesus? You know, and yet Jesus did it for me. He's done it for you. So you expect your daughter not to do it for him? So we've got this holier-than-thou attitude often and not understanding really what is holiness. You know, so holiness is doing the will of God. If you're doing the will of God in your life, you're, you're holy. You're growing in holy. The villagers of Medjugorje, when we first went there, they didn't strike me as holy. Um, they were unassuming. They were workers of the soil. They were not people that 
what I read and was used to and being conditioned about the history of the church where all of these people were floating off the altar and received the communion and floating in the air. And, and um, you know, it's been said Mother Teresa, that some of her nuns, you could tell you a lot different story than what you have about Mother Teresa. She was a pretty tough cookie. And, and so what is holiness? You know, in Medjugorje, the villagers, they went to Mass on Christmas Eve. They went to Mass earlier. They went to Mass at midnight, and they went to Mass Christmas morning. And they didn't make no big to-do about it, and they wasn't running around folding their hands. Just part of their life. We changed our blessing by just seeing the witness of these villagers. Not because they were being, you know, a, a false holiness, but they said, Thy Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, and the blessing of bless us, O Lord, before the meals. We instituted that immediately. We said, it's beautiful. You know, if God gave us his food, he provided it for us. Shouldn't we be saying more than a 10-second prayer? Can we pause just long enough to say something serious to God? So our blessing has changed just by watching these people. And I tell you, the villagers are holy people. They were tough people. You might not recognize it. The more you realize how they lived, that God was, God was seamless in their life, that he was it was unthinkable that to, to think the way even some of the villagers are thinking now, that God was not intertwined with them or interwoven, as Our Lady said today. That interesting word. I don't know if Our Lady's ever said that before. May your day be interwoven with little ardent prayers for all those who have not come to know God's love. And this is part of the villagers. They did, they did these prayers this way. They, uh, we wrote something a while back talking about um, what was it that they did that they um, it was a saying that, that came about to the villagers this is the time or, or now we know it's the time is about Christmas Joan you're the archivist you're supposed to remember I just write it <laughs> but anyway it was something written about four or five newsletters ago I wrote and and, and um, but it was a saying they derived and it was just talking about the time that had come that they got to be uh, a saying. It, is it about... Um, and the creation. And can the they wait for the 25th? Yeah, right, right. Before the, before the apparitions in Medjugorje, there was a saying that couldn't wait for the 25th. It reflected Christmas. It was about Christmas. And so anytime they wanted to say anything, if it was something coming up Monday, which was going to be March the 4th, they said, I can't wait till the 25th. And this was a saying meaning that they all knew that there was going to be a baptism in their family on March the 4th, or on March the 4th there was going to be some kind of celebration. But they would say in recognition of that date coming up, I can't wait till the 25th. Lord and behold, what happens? This was pre-June 24th, 1981, these villagers had this. And, and so they were inspired in their simple, loving way of, of speaking about Christmas, the 25th, December 25th, here our lady comes, leads them to prayer, leads them to holiness, leads them to three hours more of prayer, and then changes it on January um, 6th or 7th, somewhere in that period of time, 8th, I think it was, I don't know. On the Thursday, last Thursday message, it said, I'll be giving you less messages once each month on the 25th. Profound. Profound. Why? Because God could speak to these people. Why? Because they did this state in life. Now, they were simple people. Did they do it perfectly? No. But today, in answer to this question, I know I'm going around the world with it, but in your state in life, are you living up to it? Are you, are you being the best that you're able to be 
yourself? And are you creating an environment in your family for your children or your spouse to be the best they can be? This is very, very important to to be in the structure of the family that each individual who is resident in the family is placed in the best possible position to be the, all they can be, the best they can be. And that comes through the mother and the father loving each other in a perfected way, a higher way of loving, and in a way that they're not fighting each other, they're fighting issues together that's fighting their marriage. Big difference in fighting each other. You're not fighting each other, you're fighting the issues together that's fighting your marriage. Segregate that. Uh, I read, briefly, I didn't read it a minute ago, but one of the messages said that Satan, uh, you know, in this time, renew prayer, especially in the family. We know that Satan wants to destroy the family. So it's real simple. To grow in holiness, be real with yourself. What is your position? What state in life you are? And live that perfectly. And you'll be led to a life of holiness. And of course, our lady said, Conversion is a process that will last the rest of your life. So you won't be completely converted. You won't walk completely in holiness until you draw the last breath. And so this is always a path of perfection. So we got many messages coming in for people, many questions. It's, it's almost overwhelming for us to be able to get to. We just have to pull some out of the stack sometimes. But uh, it's pretty incredible to me that there's such a hunger and we put out this week something we've been working on for four years. It's a very serious announcement about Caritas's future. Uh, there's some things that's detrimental to our future if we don't act. And we actually spent several months writing it, put it together. We spent four years looking at the situation. And we uh, just mailed that out this past week. Uh, it may take a few days for some of you to get that, but if you are not on our mail list. Uh, now, I don't mean the meds list. I mean the Caritas newsletter list or a field angel. Who, field angels are people who monthly support the mission. If you're not on that list and you want, you want that packet, you need to call in Caritas and the number Riaz gave you, which is 205-672-2000. You can go on meds and find the lines and contact us by this, or you can send us something and send us your home address. And we can send this packet to you, but it's very important. It's a very serious announcement, and it's a very, very impacting worldwide for the whole Medjugorje movement because God's placed us in a position to be speaking about the message real strong. So it's important that we, um, if you want to be in on this and hear about this, we won't go into the details because it's just too involved. You have to get a whole packet, and it, it took three months just to even write it and put it up and print it together. And just the, uh, the our life of prayer... Um, has led uh, us to to this serious announcement that which is about Caritas's future and and one thing that that we've seen through the years of our history is that Our Lady inspired things. Uh, a friend of Major was inspired in things that Our Lady had shown him in prayer uh, about the future, about the future of our community, about things that would be detrimental, and this comes from short ardent prayers. And I, I remember a prayer that we used to that, that that we prayed a lot was a prayer where part of the prayer we said uh, that we would be speaking to Our Lady that we would be her apostles, her instruments to bring peace to the whole world, and that we would be her sons. And 
I remember praying this prayer many, many times and never, never really realizing that these were exact words from the message. I actually had picked the message at random at one time and, and actually had these were exact words from Our Lady's message. And so maybe a friend of mine might want to mention something about the, the praying of the messages. Many prayers that we pray here that are inspired are messages that are actually verbatim words from Our Lady. So maybe you might want to... Well, we've often seen what we've done things, said things, or, or put in projects into action and see Our Lady come up with the message later, which it's real simple. If you want to walk in communion with God, God will communicate to you. And obviously, um, throughout the scriptures that God foretold things that were coming that, that was didn't just happen in a spontaneous way. It was it was led up to the people felt it in the heart. They sensed it. Even before they came, the people in the village started sensing things. They used to have a picture in the back of St. James Church with Our Lady standing over St. James Church. And it's kind of a crude painting, but this this um, young person drew this. And it, and it was very... All the villagers knew this person was inspired. So God can do that. And if you pray, you'll get it. There's a story of the woman who... Um, you know, got out of her car and she just prayed, got her car, she was just worried about being stolen. She just prayed to be there when she got back. She came back three hours later and she couldn't find it because it was covered up with snow. So you got to be careful of what you pray for. God to do it. You don't know how he's going to do it. You know, if you're going to be praying to be apostle, what, what happened to apostles? They were downtrodden. They were, they were lashed. They were persecuted. They were slandered. So, it, you know, a lot of people think, oh, apostle, this would be great. You know, and the more you commit to being that apostleship, which is which is an invitation to everybody listening to this. It's not reserved for a certain group of people. This invitation is there, and at least five times she's said this word, I want you to be my apostles. And and this correlates with something foretold again through somebody who was in you as God was Louis de Montfort over 300 years ago when he said that uh, Our Lady would come toward the end times and she would lift up apostles of the latter days. They would be purified as the children of Levi and they would take flight on silver wings um, but this this saying and of course he ended it this was saying that and I long for that time I long for he wanted to live where you live right now so Louis de Montfort sensed or saw somehow uh, what we're being offered and that was our latest apostles so we live in this time of grace we live in this moment this that's incredible. And the main thing that is the catalyst for this is pray, prayer. Our Lady has repeatedly told us, and what I read to you tonight, what we see repeatedly in this is when she says, I want you to, uh, this is a time of grace, open your hearts, little children, and express your love to Christ, the cru to, the, to the crucified. You know, who is that to? To the people. It's always tied a little time, this, this special time, to prayer and to not necessarily knowing everything about God, but pray. I know once there was a guy who picked up our mail. We had a mail service here at one time, and Maria was here one time, and he was a Baptist minister, black fellow who didn't like us at all because he knew these were Mary worshipers. And he would come around the first two three days. There, he was just chewing everybody out. And so he told... Um, Somebody that he wanted to talk to me, so I walked out, shook his hand immediately, and just befriended him, and it was real nice. And he saw that this Mary worshiper wasn't so bad. And so we slowly would just do what our lady says, be love, and 
and uh, we won him over. I mean, he, he'd come up and he said, I need y'all to pray that Mary. And so uh, he needed a car. He asked us to pray. So we prayed for a car for him. This is about a year after him been coming around. He drives up and he's just screaming and hollering and hooting and, and, and joy and laughing. And he says, come here, everybody come here. He got everybody out there at Caritas. He said, look at this car. Mm-hmm. We see that. He said, look right here on this window. Look at that sticker. That's a Mary sticker. It had the Blessed Virgin Mary sticker in it. She got that car. Well, he was in our kitchen one day when Maria was here. He came by, and he wanted to meet her. And Maria was incredible. Uh, he said, you know, I, I still have trouble with all this. He says, that, She said, that's okay. All that's important is to pray. But the way she handled this, whether you're a non-believer or you're a believer, or you're a skeptic, you know, she just says she didn't try to convince him at all what she has or sees. She just says all that's important to do is pray. And so we need to realize that there's people that have some belief, non-belief, but if you just get people to pray, this is the key to it. If people pray, God will give them more and give them strength and make them see more. I can't quote the Bible I skipped Sunday school And I can't count the times I fell And broke the golden rule So I don't know if he listens Sometimes I wonder if he cares Maybe I'm just wishing Cause I can't even prove he's there but I pray He'll watch over my children I pray Just to be a better man To find the strength to rise above To be there for the ones I love To forgive and be forgiven some sweet day I pray I confess that I don't bow my head As often as I should Mostly just when times are bad Rarely when they're good And I don't hold with too much preaching But I was raised up to believe that a man can't ever stand as tall as when he gets down on his knees. So I pray he'll watch over my children. I pray just to be a better man, to find the strength to rise above, to be there for the ones I love. I pray for 
The next Radio Wave broadcast is going to be on Monday, March 3rd, and that is going to coincide, uh, or it is going to be about Mariana's apparition and message of uh, March 2nd. And that, of course, is uh, for non-believers, which she has told us, or for those who have not come to know the love of God. And so, um, just, we'd let you know that before we end the broadcast tonight. And as we end our broadcast, it's always something that we... I've heard from many of you that you have told us before that uh, after listening to the show that you really feel like you're just left very empty. And we love being connected to you. We love coming into your home. We, we feel the same thing, that there's an emptiness after the show's over because we're united as as children in this moment. And that means something to us as much as it means to you. So as we leave you tonight, we want to do what we always do, and that's wish you our lady and we love you. <laughs> 